Good morning. Welcome to the Light on Suitability podcast. I'm Elizabeth Camo, your host, along with guest host Joseph Adis. We're both attorneys representing eligible parolees at their suitability hearings. Michelle Garfinkel couldn't be with us today, and Daryl and Sean could not be with us today. Joe and I wanted to talk about, and uh, this was an idea that he had, which is great, and that is typical reasons why our clients get denied parole, number one, and number two, when you do get denied, what is the length of denial and why? What is typically involved in a three-year, five-year, seven-year, 10-year? I've rarely seen a 15-year. I don't think I've ever had a 15-year. Uh, I've had a couple of 10s, not that many. You have to really, really screw up to get a 10. And the other thing is, it's just, this topic is the opposite of why someone would get granted parole. And typically, very easily, someone gets granted parole when they're discipline-free, when they've internalized their programming, when they have sufficient programming, they really understand who they were before coming to prison, addressed all of those issues, and able to articulate what was going on in addition to explaining who they are now and how it's different and how they'll react differently in the future. But that can be kind of a subtle difference in, for some clients don't really understand the difference and the denial links in particular, like when is someone sort of on the fence between a grant and a denial? What What is that typically a grant versus a three-year denial? What I've seen Lately is 100% recent serious write-ups is getting you into the five-year territory, territory and then beyond that, if you've got recent write-ups and a lack of programming, a lack of effort, a lack of insight, a negative attitude, lack of remorse. I mean, you're really pushing yourself into a seven and a 10 year category. What I've seen on a 10 is just no effort. And I'm talking no effort, not only no effort, but an unwillingness to make any effort. And that will push you into a 10. It's very rare to get a 15. I don't know. I think you have to really, really, really be aggravated in the those items, meaning the recency of the write-up. And by recency, I'm talking within six months of your hearing, within three months of your hearing, you're really screwing up. That's going to put you in the five-year territory right there. And then what's going to move you, what could move you down from there? And what could you move you up from there? Meaning what could hurt you more? And that is just coming in without programming. So the other topic that this might lead to maybe on a different day is what should you do? You know, you are facing a lengthy denial. You either plan on getting it together. Or you're not sure if you can get it together, meaning our clients um, speaking to their family members today mostly is what should you do? Should you waive knowing that the next year you're probably still not going to be granted parole because you don't have that sufficient distance? Should you just go in and take the denial length and work backward. There's a couple of different strategies on that. It just really depends. And that can be a kind of a, a flow charty type of thing. 
but I've just given that very broad overview of typical reasons for denial and typical reasons for the length of denial, but maybe Joe can help me get into more of the nitty gritty, more of explaining on the deeper level what it is about those disciplines that the commissioners are not willing to take a chance on you on parole if you do have that recent discipline, maybe types of disciplines as well. Anything else you want to cover, Joe, please feel free. Sure. And you know what? You you said a lot there. And I was thinking, uh, unfortunately, I've had about three that I can remember, 15-year denials. It's, first of all, it's really sad when that happens, uh, but it's really the fault of the inmates because when you have recent write-ups, you haven't done any programming at all, and then you come in there with a sense of entitlement, uh, expecting things after you've done something very terrible, uh, and it results in a 15-year denial. It's, it's almost like, uh, you know, like I remember one time on one of those 15-year denials, the inmate was asked a question by the commissioner and the inmate said something to the effect of, well, yeah, didn't, didn't you look at my file? You mean, you don't know that. So it's like, come on, you know, uh, <clears throat> at any rate, I know our listeners are probably more interested in the other end of the spectrum, getting uh, the, the difference between a three-year denial and a grant of parole. And usually when people get a three-year denial, they're close because the majority of those come back in 18 months for another hearing and they want, they're, they're close and the commissioners want them to kind of tighten up a few, few things, maybe regarding programming to, to have a little bit more before they feel confident in, in granting the individual parole. So I always tell them uh, okay, why were you denied at the last hearing? Okay, you better directly address those issues, you know, whether it's a better relapse prevention plan, more more programming in this area or that area. You know, you come from a background of domestic violence and you haven't done any domestic violence, so we want you to get domestic violence because that's one of the two reasons why people are uh, uh, come back after they're granted parole either domestic violence or substances, those seem to be like the two two big areas. So you not only want to program in there, but obviously show how you've internalized the concepts and they should, they should be right there in your relapse prevention plan. Uh, so yeah, the <clears throat> then a five-year denial, well, that's like you go in and you have a good attitude, but you haven't really done hardly anything at all. And, you know, maybe you've been discipline free for like two years or something. And, but, you know, they want that five-year discipline free, even though it's not the law, but obviously uh, it's something that's implied that's there. You know, they want that, what they call the buzzword of the prolonged period of positive programming. And that includes discipline free time and addressing your, the causative factors of your crime. Uh, all those issues you had back back when you committed the crime. 
what people what some inmates don't get is they say oh well you know what i've been down 20 years and uh, i've been good and i do this and that but that's that's not how the ground rules that are set you know you got to follow the ground rules not your own rules <clears throat> so um and then as uh, oh i just thought of a 10-year denial i had uh not too long ago and uh this guy had a problem with authority back at the time of the crime. And he still had a problem with authority at the hearing. He, uh, you know, he asked the deputy commissioner uh, or, or told him, you know, he goes, well, by those questions, uh, you know, you're, you're treating me like a POS, you know, if you know what that means. So, and so I, I called a timeout. I talked to him and, uh, we had the hearing in absentia from from that point forward, and I said, you know what, right. you're just you're just hurting right. yourself. You're shooting yourself in the foot, and he ended up getting a, a ten year denial. Right, just basically being very rude to the commissioners or being beyond rude. Yes, beyond rude, acting like a criminal in front of the commissioners will be a definite sinking your boat. Ten year denial for sure. Yeah. I wanted to uh, just add to that, uh, the clean time, the five-year not being the rule. Actually, Jennifer Schaefer recently gave a presentation for Life Support Alliance where she presented her PowerPoint of the structured decision-making framework factors. And mm -hmm. in her handout, it says two to five years clean is oh. a is a consideration. And if you don't have it, you're going to be put into the aggravating factor and not the mitigating factor so two to five years clean and then you have to think well what's two to five years clean another point that uh joe brought up which is really good is this notion like i've already done so much time i've already done the 20 years to life they should let me out but it's 20 years to life and we've talked about this on previous occasions but it's it's not it's not 20 years and then you get granted parole in the face of a recent write-up and those recent write-ups are two to five years so we're looking at in general five years clean time from say an aggressive violent type mm -hmm. write-up versus maybe two years clean on a basic disobeying an order out of bounds out of bounds can be tricky. It's usually a bit an admin thing, but yeah, anything disobeying an order, the officer said, you know, go back to your cell, get off the phone or something, your phone time's up and you didn't agree. And then you don't go back pronto, you know, that can be tricky, a tricky two-year clean time issue. And without the two years, then you get the three-year denial, you know, so something that can really play into like if you have a recent fight, say within three years, they made an, and you've got a lot of other things, but of course you haven't internalized your anger management programs, your alternatives to violence programs or whatever, because you're still getting into conflicts with other inmates. Mm -hmm. Notwithstanding, sometimes you just get ambushed because guys are trying to get out of the whatever situation they're in and you happen to be their target. But they're going to look at that in terms of, okay, you've got three years clean. That's the three versus you just got that fight. Now you're looking into five-year territory and beyond. And so um, that can 
that can really play into the denial links as well. So you've got a cell phone, it's aberrant behavior. You're looking more like a, a three-year denial. You know, you really did grab the phone, you used it for a month because a family member was sick or whatever, versus mm -hmm. phone after phone after phone, gang activities involved, this and this and this. That repeat, repeated misconduct will put you into the five-year territory and then the seven year, then going from five to seven on that situation, it's gonna, they're gonna look at, well, are you trying and you're just, you're struggling with your addictions to your criminal thinking and sort of thing. If you've got a good attitude, like Joe was saying, polite with the panel, approaching it with a positive uh, way of thinking, come remorseful, have a bit of insight, you just sort of just keep getting just keep screwing up because sometimes it's difficult. You're on a level four yard. You really are trying to do good, but you're just surrounded by negative every single day. So it can be trickier, but recognizing to the panel, admitting to the panel, well, I, I put myself in this situation. I'm in level four because of the pattern that I set before all of that. Now you just have to try and get out of that pattern as some commissioners will say control the controllable and that sort of thing. So you can kind of keep yourself to a five. Sometimes if you're really likable and it's all you're doing is relapsing, sometimes you can even squeeze a three, but you may still run into the issues with these commissioners that depending on your type of crime, your type of victim, they're concerned about granting parole to someone where the governor is going to refer you automatically because of the nature of the crime or the victim. Mm. So multiple victims, females, children, whatever's involved. Um, right, or an extremely callous or cold uh, murder or something. Extremely uh, serial yeah. killing or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're yes. going to get referred or reversed. And so these commissioners are, they're wanting some extra stuff i mean you really have to have mm. a super solid presentation so are they going to grant you parole with only two years clean on a recent relapse if that's related to your life crime they can't they can't they know the governor's going to refer it and then it's not going to hold up the rest of the panel's probably not going to vote the majority is you're not going to get a majority vote to uphold that and you're going to be back and so they just they want to really make sure that they have everything super tight before they grant parole to a problem let's call it a problem case for whatever reason like i said victim or nature of the crime mm -hmm. and then um Finally, a couple other things is, you know, I've already done the time, the entitlement issue that Joe brought up is excellent. I mean, we see it all the time, but, you know, it, it was only a nonviolent. It was only a burglary. I said, well, you know, people don't want you going into their homes. And they, especially if you're a free striker, you have a pattern of coming into prison, going out of prison, coming back to prison, going out of prison. And so it's really not about, I've done 25 years on crimes I already paid my time for. There's a lot more to it than that, but ultimately the panel isn't faced with that criteria. They, they're not faced with the decision, can we grant parole just because he's done 25 years? They can't. They have to look at all these other criteria and that's not even the criteria. A lengthy 
sentence is not a criteria to grant parole. Sometimes it is in an elderly parole situation, but in general, they have to use the Title 15 factors and the structured decision-making framework to make decisions. So if they make a decision, well, we just feel bad for the guy. He thinks he's entitled to a grant of parole, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, that's not realistic at all. And no. so going forward, and then um, anyway, Joe brought up really great points. And I'm just going to turn it back to him for any last minute mm -hmm. thoughts, and we'll wrap it up for this week. And I do appreciate you joining me, Joe, really a lot since I did. Yeah. And are you throwing it back to me to any follow up to what you said? Yeah, exactly. Sure. You know, you mentioned three strikers, and I've heard so many commissioners say that we're you're not here because of one crime, you're here because of a lifetime of, of crime. And uh, I had a hearing a couple of weeks ago where uh, the third strike was for some, you know, for a, a heroin addict stealing a weed whacker out of a garage. And the commissioner gave the inmate great, if you wanna call it great deference for that. And, uh, granted him parole however the deputy commissioner said no so they had a tie they had a split vote which doesn't happen very often but um unfortunately this guy had a write-up like last september and the commissioner still wanted to grant him parole and so it went to an on bank and they they uh denied parole for three years so, and I, I saw that coming. I don't know, you know, the commissioner seemed to come from a, a point of view of uh, compassion and he was rationalizing uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he came to prison for stealing a weed whacker, but I guess the unbanked panel did not, did not see it that way, which is generally the thing. I know other commissioners, he would have been given at least a three-year denial right then and there because of the um, recent write-up in about the last six months. Right. But the fact of the matter is you got to the weed whacker, the 25 years for the weed whacker, because you have two other crimes that are very serious or violent in general. So either you're always going into people's homes, which is a very dangerous situation, either for yourself or the homeowner. The homeowner gets scared. You know, they have a right to possess and defend themselves inside their home under yes. many circumstances. So that's an issue. They don't want that happening again. When mm -hmm. you're under the influence of drugs, you don't make good decisions. And basically people don't want their stuff stolen and people tend to escalate and addicts in general tend to escalate their behavior. As we know, it's never just one drink. It's never just the one weed whacker. It's always more and more and more. And so that's what the, on bank panel was probably thinking about, and I get it, some of these commissioners want to just focus on the one issue, but if you're just returning back to crime, I don't think that looks good for the commissioners in general, and they're going to take a lot of flack from the public mm -hmm. about that, so not that they're, that's not why they granted an parole is they're worried about flack, but they are worried about public safety, and public safety includes, I don't want my stuff stolen, uh, as 
Mr. Joe and Jill public, they don't want that. And so if you're releasing somebody imprudently, providently, I think it's the word they use. So I think it's a oh, really yeah. great yeah. example, Joe, on that and the entitlement behind that attitude. And an attitude, well, it was just a weed whacker to get some heroin is again, it really is a sense of entitlement. Like what's the big deal? And that means to me, when I hear that, I'm thinking, well, you lack remorse. So you need to work mm -hmm. on that. You lack humility. You lack, you're still being selfish. You're still thinking in terms of poor me. It's no big deal. There's just a lot of things involved in that attitude. So yes. I think it's a huge, I think it's a huge topic um, just to go on about. But if you have uh, anything else, Joe, otherwise we'll wrap it up. I, I really don't have anything else. Uh, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I really appreciate you stepping in today and coming on board again. I appreciate your input. And thank you to all of our listeners. And we'll see you next week.